When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? You are watching episode 145 of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. I am your host, Ted Hoost. I am super sick today. We had the Lyme episode of 2019 where I had Lyme disease and I was fighting through it like a champ while I was on crutches. And today we have the Rona episode of 2021. I don't really think I have the Rona, but I do have a terrible cold. So I'm going to rip through all of this and not waste any more time. As always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you can go to laxfactor.com to get swag and support us that way. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to talk about a bunch of games. Pretty much almost all of the games are going to get mentioned here at the D1 level here. We're going to start with Holy Cross at Syracuse. Chase Scanlon, he had himself a breakout game with seven goals, uh, but the story of the day, once again for me at least, and a lot of Q's fans, was Owen Hiltz, this time flipping the script, and instead of putting up you know, a four-and-one day or a three-and-one day, he goes one-and-five, one goal, five helpers in this one, just a bunch of cross-field passes. I think one of the things someone had said was what happened, someone had private messaged me that didn't watch the game, and they said, what happened that, that Scanlon went off today? And someone forgot to shut the back door for Holy Cross because Scanlon just kept getting people were just throwing skip passes to Scanlon across the crease from across the field and you know it was just it was easy pickings for Scanlon I think he ended up taking now nah, we'll talk about the shots but uh, as is often the case in the Carrier Dome another goalie played out of his mind AJ Fox the Holy Cross keeper he made 19 saves versus 14 goals against in the dome it, it's one of those things where goalies for some reason come into the dome and quite often you will have the opposing team's goalie just play crazy. Army's goalies always do it, although Army's goalies are always really good. Um, there was a local kid uh, from here, Tanner Cousins, who played for Binghamton University, who once went into the Dome and ended up putting up like 18, 20 saves or something crazy like that. So today it was AJ Fox, Holy Cross keeper. Uh, without Fox playing extremely well in this game, Syracuse completely rolls him. It was a route to, you know, anyway, Cuse was up, I think, 9 nothing or something like that before Holy Cross scored their first goal. And it would have, Cuse would have easily eclipsed 20 goals. So Fox deserves a lot of credit for keeping the score uh, semi-reasonable. He was spectacular on the day. Holy Cross, they had no answer for Syracuse's defense. They held the Crusaders. Is it is it the Crusaders? Holy Cross Crusaders? It makes sense. I'm going to call them the Crusaders. I might be wrong here. Uh, he held them to just 11 shots on cage. And to put that in perspective, Scanlon had 11 shots on cage by himself. Now, I might be wrong on that. Nah, I don't think I'm wrong on that stat. We're going to pretend I'm right. Like I said, my brain is not functioning. I'm in kind of a NyQuil haze here as I'm talking. Um, the Syracuse defense, they stood strong. Uh, we saw a lot of really aggressive slides. Uh, and not even I wouldn't even call them slides. I'd call them straight doubles. Holy Cross did a lot of turning around away from the defense as they're trying to, you know, as they were running into trouble. And as soon as Syracuse saw a head turn, 
boom, they were sending a double. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe that's something they were working on in prep for Duke. Maybe they plan on, you know, obviously with Duke, they're going to have to double team some guys, but maybe they're planning on playing aggressive and kind of pressing the edges and, and throwing double teams at them to try to kind of disrupt that offensive flow because Duke has been flowing offensively lately. So they, they played really well, and that turned those double teams ended up becoming a lot of Holy Cross turnovers. 24 turnovers committed by Holy Cross in this game. And they only cleared the ball successfully 20 of 28 times. It's, if you watched the game, it felt like they failed more clears than that. But 20 of 28 clearing the ball is not good enough. And so the Syracuse ride deserves a lot of credit. And it wasn't just the Cuse attackmen that were riding. A lot of those times, Holy Cross did get the ball over midfield and it was between midfield and the holy cross box that those turnovers happened so it was a lot of midfielders not giving up on the ride and riding hard uh, long stick middies poles everybody kind of contributed in that way stats for cuse scanlon seven and five or seven goals owen hilts one and five steven rafis two and two he looked good Tromboli, two goals. Jacob Fopp won eight of 10 from the dot. Uh, Varello won a bunch of faceoffs as well for Syracuse. So in all, Cuse played a lot of guys as well. They had the second team attack was in the entire fourth quarter. A bunch of mids got runs as well. So Cuse played a good game and, and, and there's not much more to say about it other than it was a good tune-up for Duke coming up on Thursday. All right, so we're going to have to kind of cut this up in sequence because I went into a coughing fit in between that Syracuse and the Virginia one. Uh, Robert Morris at Virginia. Morris, Robert Morris gave Virginia all they could handle, tying the game up at 10s late before allowing the Cavs to go on a four-goal run, including two goals from long poles that spelled doom for RMU. Petey LaSala was an absolute beast at the dot, winning 23 of 28 on the day. However, he got a bit soft in the third. Robert Morris only won five face-offs, but they won four of those five over the course of the third quarter, and that gave them enough possessions to kind of jumpstart that comeback to get them back to tens. And But then LaSala, he gets busy in the fourth quarter and uh, gets back to his winning ways, and then, you know, that's it. He mur- But he overall, he murked the Colonials in this one. LaSala's stat line, 23 of 28 with 10 ground balls and an assist. That is a really good, really good stat line for PDF and LaSala. Great news for UVA, though. Doc's Aitken, he put up a hat trick and looked a bit more like his old self. Aitken got a goal early to give uh, Virginia a 3-2 to lead, I think it may have been. And then Doc's Aitken broke the 10-up tie to give Virginia the lead back late before they went on that run. So that was good. Only cause for concern for Virginia still is just that depth of scoring. Their their starters are pretty much putting up all their points and they're getting almost nothing from their bench. So they got to kind of try to figure out, figure that out because against Syracuse it showed. If you can shut down, say, two of the four starters and, and, and you limit their looks and you limit their point production – then Virginia's uh, easy to, not easy to beat, but you, you're able to then take advantage of that. And then probably you have a very good shot at beating UVA. Alex Rode, he played great in the cage uh, before RM's, RMU's run. Third quarter, a little bit, little bit rusty, but then in the fourth quarter played well again. I will give Rode credit though. When it was 10 to nine, he had a couple of really nice saves leading into that game tying goal that Robert Morris scored that kind of kept them at bay. And I'd even made a note that, hey, if, if if Robert Morris never ties this up, that was on Alex Road. He he did a really good job trying to stop them from tying it up again, but they just kept getting look after look after look. And then they had that broken play, failed clear, turns into a quick fast break goal, and the game is tied. Kyle Kologi, he forced three, caused turnovers. UVA looked good overall. Robert Morris is a good battle-tested team, so they're going to play well every once in a while in games like this. So 
Good job by UVA, but not a bad showing by Robert Morris. We had a bunch of Big Ten games here. We've got Rutgers and Johns Hopkins doing battle at Johns Hopkins. Despite Rutgers uh, scoring the first goal of the game, Hopkins actually controlled the bulk of that first half, taking a 2-1 lead off a Garrett Degnan goal and then a 3-2 lead off a Cole Williams goal. Hopkins played well enough over the course of the second quarter, and they extended their lead to 7-4 to late in the second. Charlem Beatties, though, was able to get Rutgers back to within two heading into the half. And then Rutgers, they answered the bell. We've had this weird thing in the Big Ten where teams have controlled the game and then one team's huge quarter ends up propelling them to victory. So Rutgers in the second half, they got back-to-back goals out of Kieran Mullins, which tied things up. And then the two teams kind of exchanged goals over the course of the third, and we're tied at eights going into the fourth. But then that weird quarter that one team's going to dominate popped up and cursed Mullins and Charlem Beatties each netted two fourth quarter goals and an 8-8 game going into the final stanza turned into a 15-9 win for the Scarlet Knights. Two stats that stood out in this game in a bad way for Hopkins. Number one, Kirsan didn't make enough, or Kirsan, I always want to call him Kirsan, but uh, Kirsan, he didn't make enough saves. He gave up 15 goals and only stopped six shots. That is not a good stat line. If he has a better game, Hopkins is in this right down to the end. And then the other uh, stat was turnovers. Hopkins, they turned the ball over 18 times over the course of the game. 10 of them came in the second half as Rutgers started to kind of get back into it and tie it up and then take the lead. So not a good second half out of Hopkins, more specifically, not a good fourth quarter out of Hopkins Mullins for Rutgers was five and three Charlotte Beatty's three and two cursed three and one Shane Knobloch, the freshman two and one and Colin cursed again in goal for Rutgers 12 saves versus nine goals against. So he has been incredible for Hopkins. Like I said, Kirsten six saves versus 15 goals against that is not going to get the job done. Connor DeSimone for Hopkins two and two Garrett Dignan three and one Williams and Epstein only one goal each and Hopkins offensive contributors have just not been consistent. Uh, DeSimone has been, but uh, Epstein and Williams, they have to, they have to play better more often. That that's just a fact there. Hopkins, is going to live and die at this stage, it appears, by how Epstein and Williams end up playing in games. And so far, they just have not held up their end of the bargain for Hopkins. So that's rough. Uh, Another ACC game, North Carolina took on Air Force. Chris Gray led the charge for UNC in beating up on Air Force. He goes for two goals and six helpers on the day. Teammates Nikki Solomon went two and two. Will Perry, four goals. Tanner Cook, two and one. They filled out the scoring for UNC. Freshman netminder Colin Krieg, he continued to play really well. He made 10 stops versus 15 shots faced, only gave up five goals for UNC. So he's one of those guys at the top of the ACC Freshman of the Year, right there with Hiltz and Schellenberger. Braden Host, he didn't play bad for Air Force. He made nine saves, let up 11 before being relieved. Uh, Host is a solid goalie, though, for Air Force. Air Force is struggling. This is not, like I said earlier in the season, the military academies are all at a, at a unique disadvantage in the fact that they didn't get anybody back. Everybody, you know, they, you don't you don't come back uh, and get that extra year of eligibility there, and you also don't gain any transfers. So I thought that it might hurt some of them. It appears that Air Force is the one that was hardest hit by this. Army and Navy, they seem to be okay. Another Big Ten game, which all the Big Ten games are big because they're only playing conference schedules. Maryland and Ohio State did battle. Ohio State, they put up a valiant effort, I thought, early. Kept it a little bit closer than I thought it was. But in the end, the Terps, the Terps just kind of slow burned them 
to the route of a 16-8 score. Maryland attack dominated this one. Logan Wisnowskis, 4-3, and three, Jared Bernhardt, 3-2, and two, and Danny Maltz, 4 goals. And when all three of these guys are clicking, Maryland is going to be really hard to beat. If you got all of them putting up 4 or 5 points each, you know, it's a ball game 9 out of 10 times, or it's the ball game 9 out of 10 times. For Ohio State offensively, anemic. Jack Myers was the only guy that really showed up. He goes for four goals and two assists. And then behind him, Jackson Reed and Trey LeClaire, they each uh, put up one and one. And then nobody else had more than a point. Uh, Justin Inacio, I guess you could call it a bright spot. He goes 19 to 27 from the faceoff dot. That's 70% of the draws. But that ends up being, you know, one of the, what that accomplished was it kept Maryland from scoring 20 goals instead of uh, the, the 16 that they put out in the end. And then... Let's see here. And then Alex Van de Bo- Alex Van de Bovenkamp in cage for Ohio State. He didn't play bad. He faced 30 shots in this game and made 14 stops. So that's not terrible. When facing savages like Maryland, though, on attack, you're going to end up having a, a, a rough day at times. So so the fact that he stayed close to 50% was good for Ohio State. Their defense is not very good, though. The Ohio State defense isn't all that great. Although I think holding Maryland to 16, thanks to your goalie, is, is not a bad sign. Now, one team. That is struggling mightily. Another Big Ten game here is uh, Michigan and Penn State did battle. Michigan ends up pulling out the 14-12 win over Penn State. So Penn State is now reeling overall. So I thought that Michigan was going to be the bottom of the Big Ten, but it turns out Penn State may have something to say about that. And they say, hey, hold my beer. We would like to be at the bottom of the Big Ten. And uh, they came away losers in this one. That drops them both to one and four. So now Penn State, I believe, if I do this simple math correctly, Michigan has the head-to-head over Penn State, and both of them sitting at one one and four means Penn State is now in last place in the big. Michigan, and uh, let's see here, Bryce Clay, he had a big day. He scored five goals, including the nail in the coffin with 2.17 left, an unassisted wraparound from X uh, up the right side. Josh Zawada, he also had a good day. His four goals and one assist off seven shots were huge. And and overall for Zawada, if he can keep playing like this and he can keep putting up five, six, seven point games, that's going to be key for Michigan, not only for this season, but for the development of Michigan as a team, trying to keep, you know, keep the team together, keep people happy, because if Michigan can at least play ball and stay in games that, that they have to, otherwise we're going to end up seeing a fired coach in two years. Michigan keeper John Siracofi, Siracofi, Kirasofi, not sure how to pronounce that. He made 17 saves. He won the goalie battle by quite a bit against Kobe Kinesi, who only had 11 saves on the day. And that makes anytime you have a goalie that makes more saves than the other guy and you win by two, that's always huge. Uh, the real kick in the pants for Penn State, though, is that Michigan did most of their damage dodging as only three of those 14 goals for Michigan were assisted. That just means that's a huge sign that your defense is not very good. It might, it's, it's either your individual defenders aren't very good and they're getting beat so bad you can't get help there, or you're playing such poor team defense that the help's just not getting there. So, you know, giving up, up, uh, what is it, 11 unassisted goals out of the 14, that's not a good sign for them. Mac O'Keefe played well. He ended up having three goals and a helper. Problem here is TJ Malone was quiet with just a goal and a dish. Dylan Folds, another bright spot for Penn State. He was two and one off just four shots. But Penn State cannot afford to have any three of those guys not have a good game. All three, O'Keefe, Malone, and Folds, all have to play well every game moving forward for Penn State or it's going to be a long season for them. A really good game here, Towson overachieving a little bit against Delaware. I had actually picked Delaware. I figured they would kind of win this by a margin, but Towson's improved drastically between last year and this year. 
and uh, they end up they end up keeping this game close here. It goes into OT. Delaware needed OT. Ty Kurtz, who's played very well for the Blue Hens all year, he was quiet all day. Didn't have a goal, I don't think, in regulation. Only had two assists, which is which is a rarity for him. So he decided to score his only goal as the game winner in overtime to win it for Delaware. Charlie Kitchen, he went three and one for Delaware, and he scored the game tying goal late in this game. I actually turned it on about the last four or five minutes of the game or so. So I got to see all that action go down. Towson, overachiever in this one, thanks to James Avanzado's monster day. Two goals, five assists out of number 53. So he had himself a day. Towson looks much improved. Delaware proved they're actually a good team because even though I felt that Delaware probably had a good chance of winning this by more than one goal in overtime, the fact that they won the game is important. A good team is going to win these close games. Delaware won this game in OT, and that shows some toughness out of them. <clears throat> Richmond. Bellarmine and Richmond, it was, it was a blowout. 17-5, Richmond absolutely takes it to Bellarmine. Ryan Lanchberry, can I say this on air? Ryan Lanchberry nutted on Bellarmine. Three goals, nine assists. Richie Connell, big fan of his, 7-2. and two. So I actually saw first that Richie Connell was 7-2, and two, and I was getting ready to, to write, hey, Connell's breakout game leads Richmond to a victory. But then I saw Lanchberry, three goals and nine helpers. Program record for Lanchberry, so congratulations to him. And then five of Connell's goals were actually assisted by Lanchberry. So Richmond, they roll, and now Richmond and High Point are going to play during the week this week to see who king shit in the SoCon is. Now, that's kind of the show here. I I suffered through it. I had to stop stop it a couple of times to to have coughing fits here. So hopefully I edit this right and you don't have to see any of those coughing fits that I went on. Other games on the day, Loyola put the big hurt on Bucknell, 24 to 10. Kevin Lindley goes 7 and 1. Aiden Olmstead 3 and 5. Joey Kamish 3 and 2. Peter Swindell 4 and 1, but more importantly, Bailey Savio won 20 of 31 faceoffs, So that's good to see out of Savio, but Loyola looking good. That's their highest output in the Patriot League since 2011, I believe is what was said. Another game, ACC team playing, Notre Dame. They beat Cleveland State 19-5. Pat Kavanaugh, 4-1. Griffin Westland, 2-3 for the uh, for Notre Dame. And then one thing I did want to see was how did they do on faceoffs? Kyle Gallagher, 12 of 13 from the faceoff dot for Notre Dame, and Charles, Charlie Leonard, 8 of 12 from the faceoff dot for Notre Dame. And then they even had a, a, a third guy come in and win 2 of 3. So Notre Dame just continues to be dominant at the faceoff dot. They are absolutely crazy. Gallagher playing like the best faceoff man in the country right now. Charles Leonard is not very far behind him, so that's going to be really big. If you look at the rosters, you kind of like Notre Dame's defense, but you really like every other ACC t- ACC's team team's offense and midfielders over Notre Dame's but nobody in the ACC has a faceoff unit like Gallagher and Leonard. Cuse is close. They've got two guys that can play really well and they they're both capable of going going in here and disrupting it. I don't think anyone else though in the ACC has two guys like that that dominate. So interesting to see how that plays out as we we really start diving into ACC play starting this week. Uh Mount St. Mary's took on Hobart Hobart comes away with the 13-9 win to improve to 2-1. Mount St. Mary's drops to 1-6. Bradley Simis, Simus, 3-1 for Hobart. Jason Knox, 2-1. So Hobart ends up getting a pretty good game. Uh, They scored pretty pretty deep down their roster. And then in the goalie valley, it was Kevin Holtby, Holtby, Holtby. 13 saves versus 9 goals against for Hobart. Georgetown. 
after getting beat up a little bit by Denver, they come back and they beat Providence. I was actually surprised at this one. Providence played pretty tough. They ended up getting 20 saves, I think, out of their goalkeeper. I might as well drop his name. You put 20 saves up, you deserve to be mentioned. Yeah, he had 20 saves versus just those 13 goals against, actually, it should have been 14 goals against. Toby Bergdorf is the Providence goalie. So the stat line down here is saying 20 saves versus 13 goals against, but Georgetown scored 14. So I bet you that Bergdorf had that other save, and it's just not in here. McElroy, once again, McElroy not necessarily playing up to, up to snuff. I've been calling him the best goalie in the country. He's been playing down enough lately that I'm starting to question if that's actually true. Still very capable goalie, one of the best five goalies in the country, but he only had five saves versus nine goals against, which ends up letting you know that, that game be a little bit closer. Uh, scoring overall, though, Jake Carraway, three goals. We had TJ Haley for Georgetown, six assists. Graham Bundy Jr. goes for four goals. So Georgetown getting some scoring output from, from some guys deep down the roster. Albany beat up on Binghamton badly, 19-7. to Dehoga Nanakoke had a six-goal, three-assist output. Jacob Patterson, one and three. You remember a couple weeks ago, I was wondering what the deal was, why, why the two weren't factoring together. I was wondering if maybe Patterson was hurt or was out for some reason, but hey, they're both on the field here uh, yesterday, six and three out of uh, Nanakoke and one and three out of Patterson in their win over BU. And then we got LIU. I keep wanting to mention LIU because LIU is sitting at 14 and, or 14 and one, sitting at four and one right now. They beat Sacred Heart 13 to eight. And uh, Richie LaCalandra, again, 4-3. and three. Alex Russell, 4-0. and oh. So LIU is looking tough. And uh, Will Mark in cage had a huge day again. 19 saves versus 8 goals against. So that's that's just huge. Colton King, it's it's uh, worth noting, 20 saves, uh, 13 goals against. So either this was a terrible shooting game for both teams or both goalies stood on their heads. So that was key. And that's it. I got to get the hell out of here. I've been coughing like crazy. I've had to stop myself like three different times already. So hopefully I cut this together well for you. We're going to be back. I got another film review that'll come out tomorrow. So be sure to come back tomorrow, Monday morning, and you'll see a quick little, it's, it's going to be a short one because once again, I've been sick, but I'm trying to keep the content going. So Monday, another film review, and then we'll be back Wednesday for the regular podcast. And then we got Cuse Duke on Thursday. That's going to be huge. I get my second vaccine on Thursday. So I'm probably going to be feeling like total crap and not able to drink beer for the Cuse game, but we'll see how that goes. I may, if I feel good, I may have a couple of beers for that game. So I'm getting the hell out of here. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I am sorry if this was one of the worst episodes I've done in a long time. I just wanted to get it out, even though I was sick. So, uh, you know, thank you for suffering through me. If you've got, or suffering through with me, if you've gotten this far and that is it. Hoost is out.